Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. They told me I wasn't going to be eating no bacon this morning. But the Lord is a generous Lord. I said, Lord, can a nigga please have some bacon this morning? <laughs> the Lord looked at me and said, Kizé. I want to give you more than bacon. I want to give you some of that white bread. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to Stuck With Damon Young, the show where we don't code switch. I mean, we might be a little rhetorically flexible every now and then, but no code switching. Never that. All right, so Tennessee has been in the national spotlight of state representatives Justin Jones and Justin Pearson were expelled from the State House of Representatives for a breach in etiquette for protesting gun violence. There was a national response that the Tennessee GOP definitely did not anticipate, and they were eventually reinstated. Now, during all of this, uh, we also became aware of Representative Pearson's somewhat anachronistic style of public speech, which also sparked a sub-conversation about code switching. And to talk to uh, Representative Pearson's performance and also the many variations of code switching, I'm joined by the homie Kesse Lamb, who's as fascinated by the way that we talk as I am. And then, Bear Tunde Thurston makes his Stuck With Damon Young debut, as we debate the legitimacy of sliding into someone's DMs, but on LinkedIn. All right, y'all. Let's get it. Kesse Lehman is a MacArthur genius and is also the author of Heavy, an American memoir, which is one of my favorite books, one of the best memoirs I've ever read. And I hit him up because, you know, he he has an appreciation for some of the nuances of, of how we and about we, I mean, black people interact, how we talk and how we change, you know, depending on who the audience is. And so want to get him on to talk about our boy, Justin Pearson's interesting way of public speak. So Kesse. What's good? How your hair smell? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think lemony right now. My wife bought me the, like this lemony spray that I that I put in it right now, so it smells a little like a little citrus, a little citrusy. Yeah. I'm growing it out. I guess locks right now. Not long. Oh, that's what's up. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. You know, what I mean, I'm I'm a little frustrated right now though because this is like after I think like five months. And there's a place that I want to get. And so I'm in like this in-between phase right now. Are you going bald at all? <laughs> what do you think about the balding locks head? <laughs> That's what I want. Because I, 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 I'm seeing that on a lot. I'm seeing that in the hairline, that, the fake hairline to be like right here. I'm seeing either bald locks head or fake hair. Did you see the skit from um, Southside? Like they had the intervention for my man with the hair. Oh, yes. I mean, I, I want to <laughs> say 
do whatever the fuck you want to do with your hair. For sure. That's the only answer, really. Like, do whatever the fuck you want to do with your hair. Like, yeah, I even fuck with people when I have, like me, when I have a facial hair. But it's like, you know, it's your face. Do what you want with your hair, but we're still going to make judgments <laughs> based off of what you do. Exactly. <laughs> right. Or at least jokes. I mean, I'm not judging because I don't know how to judge people. That's why I have so many questions about black men and hair, fam. Like, I'm, I'm so confused right now. We in a new stage. and We never been in this before. And uh, But yeah, at the end of the day, do what you want. All right. So I got a question for you, Mom. So I'm assuming that you got familiar with what's happening in Tennessee the same way that I did, where, you know, you hear about these three lawmakers, I guess they're Tennessee state reps, who are protested because of, you know, gun violence. They just had a mass shooting, and I think Nashville, maybe a week or so before. And they had the protests. And then two of the black members, Justin Pearson and Justin Jones, got expelled from the legislature or rubber the fuck, right? And then I don't think Tennessee recognized or realized the national pushback that was going to happen. And they're like, yeah, we, <laughs> we made a mistake. Y'all niggas can come back. <laughs> Right. And so uh, and so that was my that was my understanding of the situation, my whole thing. And then I heard Justin Pearson speak. What we're about to hear is a clip from C-SPAN on the day that he was expelled from the house. All glory and honor to God who makes all things possible who takes the son of teenage parents, Kimberly Owens Pearson and Jason C. Pearson, and brings him to an institution built by enslaved people's hand. All glory and honor to God, who brings those who've been marginalized and excluded into this place and tells them that you still have a voice. Now, what was the first thing that went through your head the first time you heard that young man speak. Wow, you could have done that a number of ways. You could have let me know what you thought first, but uh, <laughs> nah, man. If we, I feel like if we do this wrong, we might both be done. So I'm gonna try to be a little bit careful. I grew up in Mississippi, and, and I went to a missionary Black Baptist church my whole life. So <laughs> the first time I heard that voice, I thought about being like four and hearing the preacher preach and thinking that shit sounded old in like 1980. So. When I heard him speak, obviously, I thought 1950s preacher. Mm. But the wildest thing was that he was using the cadence of a lot of like shifty, bullshitting ass preachers. But he was telling the truth. Mm -hmm. So I, I just had a collision. I was like, damn, this brother's telling the truth. And I was like, why the fuck is he talking like Martin Luther King? That's what I felt initially. Yeah, I felt like a similar tension where it's like, you know what? Obviously, you know, my feelings about gun violence, gun control or well-documented on this podcast, right? And obviously, I support the young brothers who are out there who are protesting, using their voice, you know, using their bodies to try to make a difference. But when I heard him, when I've heard him speak, <laughs> <laughs> first thought, my very first thought, this wasn't even a vocalized thought until this very moment, was like, I get why I kicked that nigga out. I get, I wow. get it. <laughs> okay. <Wow. laughs> Wow. <laughs> that was my very first time. Oh. I didn't say I didn't say it out loud to nobody. And and again, this is like a this was an impulse. This was a reaction. This is not like the the fully baked. You know, this isn't how I feel. Of course, this was just the first thought that went through my head. It was like, man, right? I can't imagine going to work every day 
and listen to this Crispus Addicts ass nigga talking all the time <laughs> with this cadence. <laughs> like that would that even even if I'm agreeing with everything you got to say, that would annoy me to the point where it's like, yeah, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I can't deal with this. <laughs> okay. I can't deal with you. Oh, it's so interesting to me that that was one of your first thoughts and not like, I bet the other black people involved are glad he got kicked out. Do you know what I mean? Well, that's what I'm saying. If I were, if I were like a part of that legislature or, or whatever, and I, I can imagine being like, all right, come on, come on, bro. I ain't got to hear that shit no more. <laughs> you, you don't got to, you come on. Bro. Right. Whether or not this is his authentic voice, whether or not it's performance, I, that's not even a commentary on that but it's more about my own feeling when hearing that cadence yeah particularly from someone who is 15 years younger than me yeah you know what i mean i think what i love about what you're saying is that it really has nothing to do with him Mm -mm. right i mean it's all about what we heard but let me ask you this what in your experience though makes you kind of disgusted by that cadence and tone i think I have like a natural aversion to the sort of occupations that attract charismatic ass niggas. Yeah. Right. And so that could be preacher, politician, club promoter. Right. Who's a club promoter? You know what I mean? <laughs> like people whose entire steves is to try to convince you to do a thing. Right. And that's more of a personal thing. Yeah. Where it's just a natural, like, if they're saying this thing, I'm going the other way. Right. Right. I'm just I'm not with it. And they could be telling the truth. They could be saying some shit that I want to hear. But because it's coming from them with that cadence, I'm going the other way. And so hearing that for me, it just there's something deep inside of me that just resisted immediately. And to your point, too, I think (laughs) we have to acknowledge that there is like this increasing collective skepticism of Christianity. Because mm. I think that sort of voice is most associated with Christian preaching. Yeah. Right. And so this general skepticism with being at church right. and listen to the preacher, listen to the pastor yeah. and being a part of a congregation. I think that plays into it as well. Absolutely. Like you were saying, this isn't necessarily a commentary or a criticism of him. Right. But just that. I guess that performance, if it is a performance, just something about it just makes my teeth itch yeah okay so i assumed three seconds in it i mean it's performative right whether it sounds sincere or whether it sounds the way we might want it to sound or not Mm -hmm. it's a performance but i don't know fam it's i mean and it's important to remember like that's tennessee so i think if we heard that shit from somebody in like wyoming i'd be weirded out more i get where and, and who he's talking to but um as an older person for him i just wanted to be like yeah, bro, bro, you ain't got to talk like that no more. But I don't know if that's true. I think I think you might. You know what I mean? Like, and real talk, bro. Like when I was listening to the speech, I was wondering if he was because he kept looking up, mm-hmm. and I was like, is somebody like giving this motherfucker like the speech? Like, cause he was flowing. He was just going off the dome, I guess. Mm-hmm. But he was like, he was flowing like a preacher, and I just distrust preachers so much that I was just shocked that he was using that old ass voice, but then saying shit like LGBTQ TIA, you know what I'm saying? He was, he was using words and phrases. And also, also there's assuredness about that tone and voice that I hate, Mm -hmm. but because I was looking at him, I I could also see and feel 
a kind of fear. So I don't know. I, I think it was complicated, but I definitely started laughing at the. I mean, I, I thought Martin Luther King. You said Christmas addict. So I, let's use. Let's go. Let's go a few. Uh, let's go one one uh, uh, century earlier. You know. I mean, we well, let's split the difference and say Morgan Freeman. Yeah, yeah. From let's let's just say it. let's just split the difference. All right, find that in between space. Right. I just can't, man. I I just. I just get so embarrassed for whoever uses that voice. And that's all about me. It's nothing to do with the person using the voice, but I just get very shamed. You know, and, and speaking of Raboy, Justin, like, have you seen the image of him, you know, the swearing in when he's wearing a dashiki? Yeah, I, I've seen that image. Okay. <laughs> it, it's funny because I, I feel like the dashiki actually clashes with the civil rights aspect. Right. Like, those are like two separate forms Absolutely. of. Absolutely. Fanta exaggerated blackness. Yeah. It's black power meets civil rights. Yeah. And I love it. But also in that picture, you know, he's also, he literally is wearing the red, black, and green um, bracelets. So I, I think he's doing a lot of work, man. I think I think that brother's doing a lot of work. Uh, and I think some of it is pan-Africanist. I think some of it is definitely like deep Southern regional um, with the Afro. I mean, you know. Like, it reminds me, and we, we talked about this a bit when we talked on the phone last, is like how when Kobe first got to the league. Right. And it was like, okay, this thing is very obviously trying to be like Mike, trying to walk like Mike, trying to shoot like Mike, even has like the low fucking arc jump shot like Mike, you know, making the same facial expressions, but he's not good yet. Yeah. So you had this like this uncanny valley experience of watching this nigga, you know, replicate you know, a much worse version of the greatest right. player who had ever lived at that point. Right. So that's what we tell young athletes. You know, watch Steph, watch Dane, watch Kyrie, right. watch how they that's handle right. the ball, watch, you know, their footwork, watch, you know, how they how they keep their follow through, watch how they move without the ball. You know what I mean? And so I think for someone like Justin Pearson, he's, you know, who wants to be, you know, this this important, perhaps transformative politician. It's like, well, I'm I'm watching MLK, I'm watching Malcolm X, I'm watching, right. I don't know, uh, Huey, I'm, I'm watching wh- whoever were those figures from that time, and I'm just taking bits and pieces yes. from each of them, and um, I'm meshing them with my own sensibility to create this persona, which actually isn't a persona, it's it's who I am. Absolutely. And I love that. I just want to say, I love I love that. I love that, and I actually haven't seen that in, 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 a, in a ton of young Black politicians in the last 20 or 30 years. So I think we black people, so we go laugh and joke. Um, but also just wanna I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that picture up because like I I do at the end of the day think we all are kind of reaching and grabbing, trying to make a self. And you know, sometimes you can see the seams. And I think in that voice we can see the mm-hmm. seams. But I'm I'm glad to see what that what that brother's making of himself and, and for us. Um, that's the truth. Even before we got on, and I'm thinking about this today, I'm also thinking about the fact that, you know, we associate that voice with a certain Christian performance of, you know, even people who aren't necessarily in the pulpit, when they are removed from the pulpit, they still speak with that cadence. And, you know, obviously the most obvious example is Martin Luther King. Right. But I think that even recognizing that, we should probably acknowledge that for him, for MLK, that was probably performance too. Absolutely. Like if he was going to Waffle House, is he is he ordering from the menu 
in that cadence. If he's if he's trying to get some from Coretta, is he is, is he speaking? Or maybe if that's her thing, but is he probably not? Probably not speaking in that same cadence. You know no. what I mean? So so no. even the people that we associate with that back in the day, it was a performance then too. Absolutely. And so with that in mind, I have to kind of re-interrogate, reinvestigate like my immediate <laughs> disdain for that voice because again, it's it is a performance that has always been a performance. And it's a performance that even though we have this pervasive distrust for, you know, those sorts of institutions, right. It has also been the sort of thing that has caused people to rally around for good causes as well. Like we think of the civil rights era, we think of that performance. Right. And Christianity. I mean, I think you think of the civil rights era and mm-hmm. and when you think of the civil rights era, you actually think about people who were dressed like that brother was dressed, right? Like, I mean, even the kind of suit he was wearing. But also just think like, you know, in places like Tennessee, I'm from Mississippi. So mm-hmm. I, I think that cadence gives us the understanding that we're watching a Christian. And I think in some parts of the country, like that means a lot, right? I mean, I actually don't know if that still means a lot, but I think it does still mean a lot to some people. But yeah, I was like, damn, old school suit. The motherfucker got the fro fro. His voice actually, I'm going to make an assumption here. I can still hear his real quote unquote voice, well, at least one of his real voices underneath that shit. Um, so that was really interesting. And then when I heard him on The Breakfast Club, I think I did hear like a version of what one considered maybe his normal or real voice. Mm-hmm. So that made me feel a little less weird at first, uh, but can you do it? That's what I really will. Can you, can you? <laughs> <laughs> I was trying. Nah, <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do that voice. Bro. You can't do it? <laughs> I actually was trying a little bit in the bathroom earlier today, earlier this morning. And I, I was like, yeah, it's just not working for me. Yeah, I can do it, bro. I'm never going to do it though for you though. <laughs> you can't you can't bring that up and not nah, do it. I can do it. I can do it. But the thing about them niggas is they can't whisper either. Like I just don't know how you you can never whisper to a motherfucker like that. Because I was trying before I got on. I was like, yeah, you can't you can't whisper. But I'm not. Never, I'm never doing that shit in public of anybody. But I think you guys should try. <laughs> yeah, David, go first. <laughs> go on and go first, bro. <laughs> we can say the same sentence. Okay. <laughs> this morning. I had bacon, I had eggs, I had some pancakes and some sand. Like, that's how, like, when I try to do it, that was me trying to do it just now. You got to say something about God, my nigga. If you thank God for them pancakes, I think it'll take you another place. And for this delicious pancakes, this delicious breakfast, I want to thank our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, (laughs) for giving it to us, for providing us with with the bountiful bacon wow the crispy not the cheap thin bacon but the crispy wow. thick like megan the wow. stallion bacon crispy and thick <laughs> oh, I, I can't i can't i'm sorry that's it we had a good run bro <laughs> I, I think if this shit air we need to all be like man it was good for us when it was good you got you gotta oh. do it you can't make me do it you can't come <laughs> to my show and make me do it you gotta do it now you gotta you gotta at least try to do the whisper I'm going to try to come up and then bring it down to a whisper. (laughs) Okay. They told me I wasn't going to be eating no bacon this morning. But the Lord is a generous Lord. I said, Lord, can a nigga please have some bacon this morning? The Lord looked at me and said, Kizeh, 
I want to give you more than bacon. I want to give you some of that white bread. I said, Lord, can I get some jam with that? The Lord said, no. There will be no jam on that white bread for you, brother. Now take your ass in there and eat that bacon. I said, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. <laughs> that was impressive. I yeah. It's hard to whisper with Bravo. it. Bravo. <laughs> if I if I was if I was standing up, if, if people could see me stand, I would be standing and applauding right now. You know what's wild? I gotta give a graduation talk at Jackson State University. And I've been thinking about all the ways to talk. Mm-hmm. And I think this speaks to what you're talking about. Like, I mean, because that crowd, not the graduates, but the motherfuckers who like are surrounding the mm-hmm. graduates, the parents, they go crazy for, if I was to speak, say something remotely, like representative and positive in that voice. But I just can't do it, bro. I can't do it. That brings me to the next question, right? Because so we we both acknowledge that it's, in, it's a performance. And I think I think that Justin probably would, too. Justin Pearson might acknowledge that, too. But who is the performance for? Yeah, because as, as you were saying, it's a it's a sort of cadence that that suggests Christianity, and so right, you could make the case that it's not a performance for us. Uh-huh. It's a performance for the the quote unquote people of Tennessee. Yeah, so that they know that this isn't just a, a black man being railroaded. This is a Christian. Absolutely being railroaded. This is a Christian, right. a God-fearing man who is peaceful, who wants protesting for peace Right. that they did this shit to. Absolutely. I, I think that's true, man. I mean, you know, and I, I think our rhetorical flexibility obviously is a superpower, but I also think that sometimes we think about audience, we're like, is it this audience or that audience? And I think we all know we can talk to multiple audiences at once, but I think that that voice in Tennessee was was there to galvanize black Christians that are the majority of black people in Tennessee, but to also let white folks slash Christians know that, as you said, this is a God fearing black man who also is so radical that he would like for all of us. That's what's so interesting about what he's saying, because he's not just saying we got to stop the mass shootings in you know, Nashville and shit like that. He's like. He's very, 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 very clear that he he also wants black folk to stop shooting black folk in Shelby County, you know, in Memphis. Mm-hmm. So I think he's doing two things. I think he's talking to God fearing black folk, and I think he's he's hoping that there's some God fearingness in the white folks of Tennessee. But you know, and, there, and you can argue that's the most effective way to communicate to that group of people. I don't know if that's true, but it worked for that brother. So mm-hmm. now. The concept of code switching, right? I loved how you put it with the rhetorical flexibility, which is all that code switching basically is. You know what I mean? Now, I will say that I am privileged in a way to be to have a sort of occupation, have a sort of life where I don't I don't have to like be in corporate spaces. I'm basically paid to be myself. Right. I, I guess the sort of corporate speak, jargon feel, corporate speak that we associate with code switching and also like raising the voice an octave and speaking in a certain way. I don't necessarily have to do that in order to maintain my employment. <laughs> and some of us do. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious just about like other ways that we code switch. Right. That aren't necessarily about language, but maybe about behavior. And maybe even about an overcorrection of behavior. Cause I remember, you know, there were times when 
I was a little like radical or whatever, but radical in a performative way. And like when I was a teacher, we'd have like potlucks at the school and I'd bring like fried chicken and watermelon. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, like, fuck y'all. I'm going to eat this watermelon in front of all the white people. It's like, I like watermelon, but not enough, not that much. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's that overcorrection that a lot of us, funny, you know, man. I think sometimes do too. And so do you still find yourself code switching in any context? Yeah, but, but that's the thing. I think code switching and rhetorical flexibility are at their root the same thing. But I think that like, the phrase is deployed differently. Like code switching, we, you know, at least when I hear it, I think somebody's critiquing me. If somebody be like, damn, he code switching. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, oh, that's a critique. If somebody be like, man, that nigga rhetorically flexible. I think that was a a compliment, you know? I mean, I dressed the way I dressed partially as a kind of like visual code switch to let really like, I mean, it started like people in Mississippi know that like you can be one of the illest with the pen and look like, this, you know what I'm saying? Look mm-hmm. like this. And, you know, I, I go into meetings like this. Granted, <laughs> I had to get a little bit behind me before I could do that. But I mean, I think we do code switch. But you know what's interesting to me is um my father's in that generation of, of black men who as soon as they see a white person or a light skinned person, they start talking proper. A light skinned person. <laughs> I'm just gonna be honest. Work. You know, my, my dad be like, she is she how you doing? How you doing? How you doing? And yeah. And and the thing about the thing about his code switching is that like, and this is a highly successful dude. I, I love my father. But you know, we all mispronounce words. And my father would be like, uh, yes, yes, uh, Bob, how you doing? Yeah, I was just talking to my son about these Texas that he sent me. And, and, I, and I remember one time he said, I was like, what the fuck is Texas? <laughs> you know, we, this nigga couldn't pronounce text. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, like, and there's a lot of fucking, like, words that, like, our, at least my people cannot pronounce. But that doesn't stop them from using the voice that makes them sound like they should pronounce them. So anyway, I love when we code switch and mispronounce words. I just think that's the kind of <laughs> that's joyful to me, you know, like or like, you know, like the like the Texas or when people say and, you know, in sports, when they get the microphone in their face and they're trying to talk properly and they say it's like it's not even a word. But every motherfucking black athlete uses it when they're trying to talk proper. I remember it in a second. <laughs> Lackadaisical. 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 Okay. Lax a days ago because okay. they because they because they, they blend in lax and 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 lack and they've heard and we've all heard the word lackadaisical and mm-hmm. so you know they meant you know I'm playing lax but then they'd be like yeah I mean you know, they, you know we just were out there playing very lackadaisical and I'm like nigga that's not a word like I just love it I love it so have you seen have you seen Kill Bill uh, Volume Two nah, the second too one many, too okay. much blood bro okay. <laughs> The second one isn't as bloody as the first one. The first okay. one, yeah. But the second one, it's it's more, I guess, pensive in, in a way. Or as pensive as a Tarantino movie can be. But at the end of the movie, Beatrice Kiddo and Bill, they finally meet, right? And Bill goes into this long spill about how Beatrix was trying to pretend to be something that she ain't. And she's trying to be this housewife sort of person when she's a natural born killer. And he, mm. and he talks about Superman. And how um, Superman distinguishes Superman from every other superhero is that Superman is Superman. His alter ego is Clark Kent, whereas um, every other uh-huh. superhero becomes you become Spider Man, you become Batman. No, Superman was born Superman, and yeah. how Clark Kent is Superman's commentary on humans. Um, like he's like he's weak, he's unsure of himself, he's nervous, mm. and so I'm, my point with that. It's like, I wonder if the exaggerated white voice 
is actually just a critique of whiteness. Oh, absolutely. Don't you know you what I mean? And, and particularly, I mean, it's a way to survive too. And, and all, and and when you do it all up in white people's face too, like it, <laughs> it it is like when you when you do the exaggerated, you know, um, exaggerated pronunciation, you raise your voice up a level. You know what I mean? And I'm curious, like I feel like I'm giving away secrets right here, but I'm curious if white people even realize that this is when you when you see a black person code switching to in that manner, they are making fun of you. Hell no, they don't get that shit. <laughs> no, okay. I can tell you that. Man, that is what that is what's that. happening. They don't get that at all, bro. Like they don't get that. I mean, I'm not white, but I work around enough white people to know you can do, you can bust on them in their face in so many ways and they have no idea. I mean, that's one of the beautiful things about their racism is like, I think it prevents them from, from actually hearing <laughs> and much less seeing, <laughs> you know? Nah. Um, yeah. Okay. Here's a question I really wanted to ask you. This is connected to code switching. So do you eat yolk eggs? Like, do you eat the yolk? Like, like the runny yolk? You mean like over over life. easy or just like I don't know what the fuck that shit's called like when the yolk be like when it's runny, runny like water when it's runny no, I don't I don't fuck with run but you know what I didn't fuck with runny eggs for like the first half of my life and then I I ate a couple on like breakfast stamp I still don't prefer them but they don't make me like nauseous like they used to so the runny egg the yolk so the yolk thing for me always used to be like I would be in places where motherfuckers were eating yolk. And I just can't, I just get disgusted when I see niggas eating yolk, right? Mm. But I didn't know if that was white or if that was like, now that I got more money, I'm around people who eat yolk. Because growing up around niggas who don't have no money, like the idea of eating yolk was just some shit you saw on TV. Mm. And I remember the first time I saw black people, I was actually at a friend of a friend of our house who was Korean and they gave us this meal that looked dope. And then there was a fucking yolk on that mug. And I was like, <laughs> what are we supposed to do with that, fam? And they were like, oh, eat it. And I was like, you gonna? I said, I was, I was like, again, I didn't know. I was like, can you, can you fry that up for us? And and now I know that was so, so, so disrespectful. But I think that's the way it code switching. I know a lot of, I know a lot of brothers and sisters who eat that yolk. You know what I'm saying? When they don't want to eat that yolk, fam. Like just and and it's, and and sometimes it's around money people, and sometimes it's just white people. But there's some shit I'm never doing. I just can't fuck with that yolk. You know? I mean, I, I feel like we. I feel like it in a way we kind of that way about rare meat. Um, oh, the same shit. Yeah, I'm never fucking with no rare meat. Yeah, what? I mean, I don't eat meat at all. But I, yeah, I'm, I don't eat meat. But the rare meat, fam, like that confuses me. I just don't even. I don't understand how that shit can be good. Like, nah, nah, nah. I just think you got to be born a certain way. You either born to eat that blood and that bloody flesh, <laughs> or you born to like that shit cooked all the way through and seasoned good. And I'm born that way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm like Lady Gaga. I'm born that way. <laughs> oh God, we getting we done, fam. We getting done today. <laughs> I'm born that way. Yeah, I'm, I'm 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 thinking like <laughs> not all right. With with, with with I guess code switching like in how it. You know, yeah, it does have a negative connotation, even though some of us need to do it to survive. But it it never is never considered to be a, like a positive thing, right? When you no. when you reference someone code switching, you reference just the concept of code switching, and like I don't have to code switch for work. Again, you know, that's just right. something I don't necessarily have to do. But I do sometimes find myself code switching in in social environments, and it's not sort of behavior where it's like I'm trying to be more 
right. appeasing to white people or to whiteness. It's more like, you know what? I know that being social and having small talk, that just ain't my bag. That's right. just not a thing I'm really that into. And yeah. so, but when I go to this coffee shop that's in my neighborhood and everyone in the shop knows who I am, I can't just go up there with a the mean mug and, you know, whatever. I got to speak to everybody. And it's not like I, it's not like I hate people in there. It's not right. like I'm upset about doing this, but it is a performance. It is a performance of like congeniality, right? Mm-hmm. When, when, when like, I, I think that the more natural me would just get my thing, do a couple of head nods to be out. Right. And so, right. I guess it would you consider that to be a code switch because code switch has this racial connotation and but even as I'm saying that I can't necessarily divorce the race from it because right. the neighborhood I live in is it's not predominantly white but it's probably like 60 40 65 35 in terms of yeah. you know the, the white black breakdown and so these are when I go to this coffee shop these are mostly white people in there and so, you know, even though I don't necessarily think of it as being a racial performance, right. I can't really divorce race from anything. That's a great, that's a great question and, and point. Cause it, I don't even know the answer to that, but you know, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how much of it is race and how much of it is, you know, celebrity or local celebrity or whatever we want to call it. But I mean, do you feel it? Do you feel it when you're out and about? We're big black people too, though, right? I mean, you're, you know, we're we're bigger black men, and mm. so that's what I'm, this is what I'm thinking now. I'm thinking about how like the times that I, you know, that I am like pre- presentably flexible, rhetorically flexible, is also just because I don't want to scare people. Because scaring people often ends up not good for us, mm. you know. So I think about sometimes like yeah, like I'll be in a, in a place and some people and I'd be like, <laughs> or 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 the thing white people always kill me when you go to a restaurant if you just listen. They'll always be like, mm, so good. Mm, so good. Mm, so good. And like, if I'm around them in a space, I don't ever say, mm, so good about my food when I'm with in my house with my with my people. But you know, if I'm like out and about, I, I do think that there are like certain little phrases that I use to mark, I'm not gonna fuck with you. Don't think I'm gonna fuck with you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, so, so, so yeah, I don't know if that's what's happening in that, in that coffee shop, but. I definitely sometimes want to get in places and get out and and not just like get in and get out without people talking to me and noticing who I am, but like get in and get out without people thinking I'm going to fuck with them. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's why I walk to the other side of the street. If I see a white woman coming down the road at night or near night and it's just me and her, especially when I used to job, I'm going to the other side of the road, not to protect her because I know I ain't going to do shit, but to protect myself. You know what I mean? Like I just don't want. Yeah. That. Yeah. And um. You took it deeper with that one. Oh, we ain't got to go deeper. <laughs> you just took it deeper. I'm thinking about these random, you know, interacts at the coffee shop. And you're talking about, you know, crossing the street. But I think the coffee shop. It is the same thing. It, I'm like, well, yeah. it, it's, a, it's on the same spectrum. I think so. Right. It's on the same spectrum of behavior. And, you know, I've had those thoughts myself, too. I Like, even, um, you know, sometimes I'm leaving the gym. Like, when I'm right. leaving the gym. And like I'm in the elevator, white woman, whatever. And it's like late night, it's dark. And it's like, you know what? I'm just going to be mindful of how close I'm walking yeah. next to her. And also so that she doesn't think I'm like walking behind her and trying to sneak. Right. You know what I mean? But, but, but the thing is, I would feel that way with any woman. Right? Right. Right. So it's not me 
Fuck. It, it, it's it, it's tough. That's tough, man. I don't know how race factors into that because, again, any woman who's with me in that space, I am going to naturally, you know, like, you know what? I don't want her to think that I'm a that I'm a threat, that I'm going to do anything. I'm just going to my car just like she is. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And, I mean, for me, again, being from Mississippi, it's just I want to make smaller people and particularly, mm-hmm. like, women who happen to be smaller than me not feel like I'm going to hurt them. And... I know I'm not going to hurt them, but I know if white women think that I'm going to hurt them, it means so much more in terms of like carcerality than like a black woman thinking I'm going to hurt them. You know what I'm saying? Like in terms of like black, you know, my cousin, my my, my my black women cousins can call the police all they want to on me or you. I think that's different than if like some, you know, white money people, women call. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's but, but, but the root of that is definitely code switching. Um, as you say, some to make somebody feel more comfortable and also to protect myself. Um, that's what I think code switching is about. But you know what I'm thinking, though, Damon? I'm like, now I'm thinking about like when I used to watch sports with my family or watch anything on TV, actually, like in the 80s and 90s. And my grandmama, my mama, my aunties used to used to love, love when they put a mic in front of somebody's black face and they could articulate themselves. Yeah. Now, they didn't ever say they were articulate. But they'd be like, oh, listen to how they articulate themselves. And this was the same era. And these are all these black women who love Brian Gumbel and shit because he was articulate. You know what I'm saying? They wouldn't say because he was light skinned and talk white. They'd be like, so I just wonder, are we post articulate? Mm -hmm. We got to wrap. Oh, damn. (laughs) I'm loving this conversation, man. Thank you. Thank you for talking to me about it, family. Uh, Actually, I just want to think differently about how I interact in these spaces because I'm not sure what I'm doing anymore now. But. Next time I see you, I definitely won't talk like Christmas Attic, right? <laughs> I mean, I think I think we I think we all are in some way doing what we feel like we need to do to survive. Like that's it. And 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 also, you know, if you're if you're a public faithful person and you're doing what you feel like you need to do to reach to reach the people that you want to reach. Yeah. Not reach the most people, but reach who you want to reach. That's right. And that way I feel like we gotta we gotta thank Justin for doing what he did. Both of them. All right, fam, I appreciate you. Thanks for coming through. Coming up next, Stamen Hates. The part of the show where I talk about shit that I hate. Because I hate a lot of shit. And then, after that, Dear Damon. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When it comes to fitness, what's real? 
How about when it really, truly fits your life? That's how Anytime Fitness sees it. Because our coaches see you. It's how they build personal plans that work wherever you are and focus on everything that matters, from fitness to nutrition to recovery, all so you can push yourself further than ever or just through the next rep. It's total 360 support for a real difference. That's Anytime Fitness. That's Real AF. Visit anytimefitness.com. In honor of 420, since today is 420, I have a very special Damon Hayes. It's about weed, obviously. Now, I've been smoking for about 25 years, but even saying that out loud is a bit of a misnomer because in those 25 years, I probably have smoked less than 25 times. Like my first time smoking was when I was 18, um, and I've smoked maybe like once or twice a year um, in the time since. And my gripe is that weed doesn't do anything to me. And I wish it did. Like, I, I feel like, I, I feel like I am also like the perfect person. Like I'm a writer. I'm, I'm, I'm black American. I deal with anxiety. Like we was created for me, the effects of marijuana, or at least the, the way that marijuana is supposed to affect you, the way that it affects everyone else. It was constructed specifically for me. It would be so on brand with just how I dress, how I carry myself, my beard, everything. But for whatever reason, it just doesn't have the same effect on me that it has had with everyone else. I mean, it makes me a little sleepy, a little drowsy, but I'm already a little sleepy. I'm already motherfucking near comatose all the time. Maybe that's it. Maybe it doesn't have an effect on me in that way because that's just how I naturally am. I don't know. I see everybody celebrate today, you know, hitting up. And I've tried bongs. I've tried shotguns. I've tried hot box. I've tried all the different types. Maybe if they make an injectable weed where I can get it straight into my veins, maybe that might be it. I've tried brownies. I've tried gummies. None of this shit fucks with me. And I just want to be built different (laughs) so that I could experience this pleasure that everyone around me seems to be able to experience. That's all. So this week on Dear Damon, we are joined by Barrett Hyundai Thurston, who is the host of America Outdoors on PBS. He is also the author of many books, uh, including uh, one of my favorites, uh, How to Be Black, uh, which came out in 2012 and was very important for, you know, for how I thought about writing about race, writing about humor, writing about the collision of both. Um, And so Morgan, the producer, what we got? Dear Damon. Was it too forward to slide into an old classmate's DMs on LinkedIn? We're both in our mid-30s. Was that a smart move? I made sure to keep it classy. As a woman, did I mess up since men like a chase? Baritunde, what's good? What's up? How you doing? Man, I'm doing well. I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me here. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I've been better, but, you know, I'm doing okay. You know, I'm here. Yes. You still breathing? I'm still breathing. Right. So I haven't been on LinkedIn for at least a couple of years. I did not know sliding in LinkedIn DMs was a thing. I didn't even know LinkedIn had DMs. 
I thought you could message someone, but I feel like the DM language is specifically for IG. <laughs> if you message someone on LinkedIn, you send a motherfucking email, <laughs> right? <laughs> you, send a, you send a Slack. A professional query. <laughs> <laughs> right? Professional query. You didn't send a DM. A DM has a certain connotation, but people are DMing on LinkedIn, apparently. I mean, is this, this is news to me. Is this news to you? This is news to me, but I'm actually pretty excited about it. I am past the responding to DMs phase in my life. I'm married now, but I get excited for the young people. You know, I, I like when folks repurpose the platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, DMs, in my experience, started on Twitter. The sliding started on Instagram, to your point. Yeah. But there's DMs everywhere, Damon. You know what I'm saying? Like every platform has a little way of pre- a text message, just a old school DM. That is true. And what LinkedIn offers that I'm hoping is the case in this story is a pay for access feature on LinkedIn, right? So if you're a LinkedIn premium <laughs> and somebody slides into your DM, they really want to connect. You know, they really got a proposition for you. And uh, I think that's pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm wondering if I am somewhat anachronistic for my immediate, like I felt it in my spirit and my gut when I saw the LinkedIn DM. Again, one, who is still communicating on LinkedIn? But, but people are, apparently. Yeah, people who want jobs. But people who want jobs, not people who want love, right? That is different. That is the distinction. Yeah. But to your point, I guess I just need to evolve with the times. What was Tom Cruise and um, what was that? Collateral evolved. There was something that he said over and over again to justify his murder of people repeatedly. <laughs> so I like that we're bringing that language into this love conversation. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Let's find the most violent possible <laughs> reference we can to connect with a professional platform being used, maybe abused, for love seeking. Do you think Tom Cruise is on LinkedIn? Oh, I'm sure he is not. He's not even at the Oscars, and that was built for Tom Cruise. So I'm pretty sure he will never, ever, ever be on something called LinkedIn. I mean, do you think that's a fame thing or like a Scientology thing or just a I'm Tom Cruise and I'm kind of weird as fuck thing? It's an I'm Tom Cruise thing. What value? (laughs) Now you got me thinking. (laughs) 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 Who's the actor with the mobile phone company that just sold? Ryan Reynolds, I think. This is news to me. Uh, Deadpool. Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds. So Ryan Reynolds is on LinkedIn. See, that that is fascinating. Like, I'm learning so much about LinkedIn today. <laughs> so look, I'm on LinkedIn. I hang out on LinkedIn. I guess, how would I put it? There's fewer Nazis on LinkedIn. You know, and many of the other platforms get overrun with a certain kind of mob mentality. Mm-hmm. And I have yet to experience that. It's not entirely a safe space, but it's safer. So yeah, Ryan Reynolds is a real business person. And he loves marketing and advertising. I think he's hilarious. And so I love his LinkedIn post. But Tom Cruise, I don't even think he sees himself as a business person. He's he's an entertainer. Does he see himself as a human is the question. Yeah, he's, I guess, above us in his view. I actually feel like someone like Ryan Reynolds being on LinkedIn is obnoxious because it's like if I were to meet him, right, uh-huh. at some party or somewhere, and he handed me a business card, it's like, motherfucker, I know who you are. <laughs> you don't, I, don't, I don't need this Dead card. Dead just gave me his business card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't need this card to remind me. <laughs> of who you are, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. <laughs> right? And so I, I don't know. I think that once you have a certain level of status, have a LinkedIn profile, it's just, I mean, Baratunde, are you trying to tell us something that you have continued 
to stay on LinkedIn because you are doing a DM thing. Like, oh no! I mean, I this was this was accidental. I didn't mean to put you out there <laughs> like this. My apologies. <laughs> it's all business, man. It's all business. <laughs> okay. It's like a good place to promote projects, a good place to see what college friends I actually want to be in touch with or up to, mm-hmm. as opposed to the Facebook version where just anybody I ever met is telling me about their lives and and being called friend. Uh, I mean, LinkedIn, is just, it feels more honest. Like they call your connection to another person a connection. Yeah. Like how many connections do you have? They don't pretend that it's some deep, emotional, you know, familial kind of relationship. Like all these people you met in your life are not your friends just because you went to preschool together. So I respect the distance which I guess to the initial question makes it way stranger to use this like non-emotional space to forge an emotional connection. Yeah, like to your point, you know, there is a linguistic rigor with the creation of LinkedIn where, you know, IG have followers, but these people aren't following you, right? Like only like 10% of your followers actually see your posts or something like that, some crazy number. Facebook, Friends, but the oldest motherfuckers ain't my friends. Mm-hmm. Some of them are cousins. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Some of them are classmates who added me and I added them back, mm-hmm. you know, but I haven't seen them in 20 years. Or former coworkers. Could you just feel guilty? Bosses. I got shamed into friending a boss years ago. He's like, you haven't accepted my friend request because we're not friends. You have an economic relationship with me and vice versa. Like, that's cool. I am still friends with at least one of my exes parents. And now I have a good relationship with them. Wow. Right. I feel like we should unpack that a little bit. This this is not, a, again, these are good people. We had a good relationship. We just, the relationship <laughs> yeah, just ended. These people. are good people. You know it's about to get interesting when they, the preface is these are, now these are good people. God-bearing, <laughs> you know, solid Christian people. Right. <laughs> but anyway. Well, so the question was from a woman who yes. slid in the, the, in the, in the LinkedIn slack of of a man. Mm -hmm. And her question is, I guess, about whether or not it's, I guess, proper etiquette to do a thing like this. I actually have some ambivalence about this here. Yeah. Because I think that, you know, what I'm supposed to say, my answer is supposed to be, you know what, it's the 21st century, it's been the 21st century for 23 years do what you're going to do. There's no such thing as gender roles. We're all fluid, et cetera, et cetera. And I I believe that up here. In your head, yeah. I feel like there's not as successful as a track record when women are, and we're talking cisgender, heteronormative relationships, whatever, but when women are pursuing because it sets up a dynamic where the guy kind of thinks he's the prize and the one that needs to be pursued. Hmm. And I feel the more I've talked, the more I feel like Steve Harvey right now. So I'm <laughs> yeah, just going to shut up. He's coming Harvey-ish. This is accurate. Yeah, it's good. This Harvey-ish. This is what's my man's name who died last year, who was on Atlanta, from Atlanta. Kevin Samuels. Oh, yeah. Samuel-esque. I'm feeling somewhat Samuel-esque right now. Anyway, what do you think? So I want to see the copy. Um, I want to see the language. I want to get forensic to have a full assessment. Mm -hmm. However, I respect the game. I think it's differentiated. And I think it's a very competitive and often confusing world. And what better place than LinkedIn to uh, to flex your competitive (laughs) advantage in pursuit of love? 
uh, than to slide into DMs on a platform not really designed for it. So there's levels of sliding. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a baseball person, so I'm not going to get deep into how you could slide into bases at different speeds. I don't understand what I'm talking about even right now. But is this plausibly a stand-in for somebody approaching you at a conference or after a meeting or as you're leaving the office? Or is this just like nude pics in your inbox, right? Like there's a big range in there. And based on the language of the question, I'm going to assume we weren't up at the nudies stage and that we're more down into like, yo, I think, uh, you know, we should get together sometime kind of thing. And that is respectful. It's differentiated, uh, competitive advantage. So I'm going to say, it's cool. Go get it. Get yours. So a respectful Christian Slack message, basically. (laughs) 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 All right. Because I think the thing about LinkedIn, it is, it's work Twitter. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you've like swiped your badge to get into that space. And so everything that happens in there is in an office. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like the vibe of it. And so when I say like, is it respectful, appropriate? There's just some stuff you shouldn't be doing at work. And we've learned that. We know that. It's all like, it's just some people learn later than others. Mm -hmm. So I think stuff that might fly on Instagram which is a way wilder environment in terms of the type of content that's going around, that should not be happening on LinkedIn, even if it, you're attempting a love connection. I guess to extend or to continue the baseball analogy. Oh, here we go. Okay. I guess, you know, with sliding, sliding in a DM. And I never really made the baseball connection with the sliding in a DMs, but I guess it's the difference between sliding head first. <laughs> Or sliding spikes first, right? I love the seriousness with which we are dissecting the possibilities here, Damon. This is this is a good use of education. I like it. Again, LinkedIn DM is a whole new world. So we need to create this whole new lexicon to describe what is happening yes. in front of us. Yes. See, the, the analogy breaks down because the head first slide would suggest more aggression. Yeah, and recklessness. <laughs> in the baseball context, the spikes first slide is the aggressive slide because that's the slide where if you try to tag me out, I'm going to rip the skin off of your wrist Ooh. with the spike first slide. So the spike first slide, I guess, would be the dick pic, the nude image, the whatever, the proposition immediately. Mm. Whereas the head first slide is the, you know, it's almost like a slip and slide where you're, you know, just, you're just having fun. And But you're also... I feel like there's a body metaphor. You know, if you're leading with your feet, you're keeping distance, right? You're playing it safe. All your vital organs, your face mm-hmm. are the last thing that's going to get hurt. Whereas if you jump face first into the ground, you are all in. You are borderline just crazy up in yeah. here. And you don't care what happens to you. You are more desperate, you know, more bold and, and maybe more unhinged. I think that anyone doing a LinkedIn DM is already um, somewhat unhinged, right? All the, all the methods to reach out to somebody, <laughs> asking for a date, you hit them up on LinkedIn. But, you know, to your point, I, I am curious exactly what or how this person reached out and also the relationship, too, because yeah. if LinkedIn is your only connection, that makes sense. If you met someone at some conference or some whatever and this is the only way you're able to be in touch with them. This is their only social media. That's fine. So the context matters. Right. But if this is someone that maybe you work with or someone that lives in the same city, someone you have other 
social. Or someone you just saw on CNBC. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just hit up, you know, hit up here Sunday. They must be into business. Let me find them. I really loved you in that documentary. Um, would you like to, <laughs> can I pick your brain for a coffee? Could be Ryan Reynolds, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be the plot twist. That would, That's it. That's it. <laughs> I think that she should do her. I think that my ambivalence is might be just my own thing. I need to work out with therapy. Um, or maybe I need to read some more. Maybe you need to hang out on LinkedIn some more. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just a business conference anymore. All right. Bear Tunde Thurston, thank you. You know, we've circled. We've never actually met before in person. This is as close as we've gotten. Yes. I'm in Pittsburgh. You're in LA. We're across coast. But our beards, our beards are in communion now. <laughs> I agree. And I think this is a perfect analogy for the LinkedIn connection. Because we are connecting. We are connected now. We are connected. Yes. Through a professional digital social platform. All right. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. This is fun. Again, just want to thank the homies Kesley Lehman, Baratone Thurston coming through today. Great guests, great conversations, a lot of fun. Remember, subscribe, Stuck with David Young on Spotify. There are all these buttons that you could hit. Boom, free, easy, easy peasy. Just go and do it. What's stopping you if you haven't done it already? Also, if you have any questions about anything whatsoever, hit me up at DareDamon at Crooked.com. All right, y'all. See you next week. Stuck with Damon Young is hosted by me, Damon Young. From Crooked Media, our executive producers are Kendra James and Meredith Herringer. Our producers are Ryan Wallerson and Morgan Moody. Mixing, sound, and mastering by Sarah Gibalaska and the folks at Chapter 4. Theme music and score by Taka Yasuzawa. And special thanks to Charlotte Landis. From Gimlet and Spotify, our executive producers are Crystal Halls Dressler, Lauren Silverman, Nicole Beamster Bauer, Neil Drumming, and Matt Schiltz. Special thanks to Leslie Guang. Follow and subscribe to Stuck on Spotify. Tap the follow button and hit the bell icon to be notified when a new episode drops. <laughs>